0: You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production.
1: Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners. Before we start the show, I wanted to let you know about another disability podcast that I think you'll love. The disability community is not a monolith. Within the community, there's people of different views, beliefs, and identities. And each individual person with a disability has a story to tell. And that's why we're here. Our
0: podcast, You First by Disability Rights Florida, features first-hand interviews with disabled guests, scholars, and advocates covering a wide variety of disability-related issues.
1: We have episodes on voting access, mental health, ableism in academia, disability and reproductive justice, disabled art, accessible video gaming, and much more. Our goal, to have you take away a new perspective on disability and bring awareness and insight to the world around you.
0: You can listen to our latest episodes wherever you're listening now or visit us at disabilityrightsflorida.org forward slash podcast to learn more and find transcripts of all of our
1: episodes. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated... Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at ComeAsYouAre.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by clonawilly.com. Clona Willy and Clona Pussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own Clone-A-Willie or Clone-A-Pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willie or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own Clone-A-Willie or clone a pussy kit right now head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code darkpod that's d-a-r-k-p-o-d at checkout right now and remember this is a deal that cannot be cloned Hey there, friends. It's your disabled... Well, let's try that out again. Hey there, friends. It's your favorite disabled person on the internet. Hello, it's Andrew Gerza here, very quickly popping in to say that on top of this amazing podcast that you listen to every other week, I want to let you know of a new little side hustle that I've created for myself, and I wanted to invite you to partake in, if you so choose. One of the things that I do for my family every year on their birthdays is I sing them... A Marilyn Monroe type happy birthday song. kind of goes like this. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Okay, you get the idea. So it's like that. And I, I decided to do it for sale. And I wanted to send you... All a sexy, breathy Marilyn Monroe-esque birthday message, or any kind of message that you want. Whether it be inspirational, whether it be motivational, whether it be a funny message for me. So I would love to invite you. If you wanted to get a unique, fun gift for yourself or for someone else, you can pop over to paypal dot com. Sorry, paypal dot me, dot me slash Andrew Gerza, and give me ten bucks. And I'll send you a hilarious message, gift for your friends, for yourself, for whoever you like. And if you want me to do it in a breathy Marilyn Monroe voice, I will do that for you. But I just thought I would throw this out on the podcast and offer that to you. So send me an email at andrewandrewgerza dot and let me know if you want it, what kind of message you want, and I will make that for you right here in my home studio from your favorite disabled person, me, Andrew Gerza. Thanks, friends. Get yours today. Bye. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Well, hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm, of course, your daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you for being here. Let us get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get today started, shall we? Before we get into the show this week, and I'm really excited about it because my guest is awesome, and I waited like a year and a bit to release this episode because I run the show by myself. So I'm really excited to finally put this episode out for you, friends out there. But before we get into the show, um, and the meat of the episode, if you will, I like meat. Bow. Before we get into that, um, I wanted to say that I'm really upset with the Biden administration this week, who decided to effectively end the pandemic. They put a, they put a, social media post out showing on a heading from the White House that the pandemic is over. Which, I think, honestly, as a disabled person, is a bullshit move, Biden. Like, what the fuck? Every disabled person in the world knows that the pandemic is not over just because you decided the pandemic is over. This means that disabled people will lose support, access to testing don't f- may be made to feel less safe when they re- when they require medical assistance. Oh man, I have so many feelings about Biden doing that and it really pisses me off. And I want to say to all you disabled folks out there living in a fear of the COVID COVID, of getting COVID, of all the things that comes with that and the fear of people not masking I see you and I support you and I'm so fucking sorry that are that your I'm in Canada but that your commander in chief decided that oh COVID's just over whatever to that I say fuck you it's not over take care of yourselves wear your, wear your masks and care about disabled folks please do the right thing COVID is not over just because Joe Biden says it is um. and I just I feel for disabled folks who are worried about that so I'm here for you if you want to come and talk about it on the show, if you want to do any of that, I'm here for you. But I know it's not over, and I support you, and I see you. Thanks for just being here, and thank you for, um, for doing your best. Those of you who are masking, and who can mask, and who can stay home, and who, who see COVID as a real threat. We're going into our fourth fucking year, COVID's not over. And as a disabled person that just recently got over COVID, I know it's very real, um... So thank you all for being there and I, and just because Joe Biden says it's over doesn't mean it's true So enough of my political waxing and waning that's enough of that but let's let's uh, let's take a little break and get into the show I'm so excited to tell you all about my guest today and let's do that right now. One of the things that I really like doing on the show is sitting down with people and just having a heart to heart about their experience of disability and just kind of vibing with them about what, how their disability affects their world and how their disability affects their sense of self and their, um, and who they are and all those things. And today, I got to do that in such a cool way with my friend, A. Andrews, who is a queer, disabled cartoonist. And they are so awesome. And we have... We go right into it. We talk about disabled grief. We talk about our perple- our trouble with saying sorry all the time as disabled folks. We talk about ableism in the queer community right off the bat. There's so much we go into. And it was like... And I had not talked with... Andrews really a lot before this interview, and the minute we started chatting, it was like we were immediately simpatical about being queer and disabled, and it was so nice. Like, we chatted for an hour and a half when we did this episode, and it was... I listened back to it just now, and it was like we had been on the same wavelength about so many different things, and I really, really am so honored to have them be a part of the show. They also um, wrote a, a book called A Quick and Easy Guide to Sex and Disability which is a must-read. Um, they were featured in The Advocate as one of their important people a while back. Um, they've done really cool things to talk about queerness and disability and we've, we've always been in each other's orbits and so to be able to sit down with them and have a real deep conversation about queerness and disability it was like we had been friends forever and I really hope that that camaraderie for those of you queer disabled folks out there listening that that closeness comes off through in the interview because it certainly did when I did it with them it was really great to sit with Andrews and talk about all these things and talk about their book and talk about their queer experience and talk about ableism and just get some shit off our chests, and we certainly did And I am so excited for you to hear this deep, fun, and honest conversation with my new friend, A. Andrews, right here on Disability After Dark. A Andrews, hello! Hello. Hello, so nice to have you on Disability After Dark. You have been like... A white whale of mine wanting me to like, I wanted to have you on the show for I feel like a long time. I feel like we've been planning this for a couple of years now.
0: Yeah, I definitely feel like we've been kind of floating back and forth in in and out of each other's orb a little bit.
1: Yeah, totally. So I'm really excited to have you here. And I reignited the conversation of you being on a guest when I saw you in The Advocate as one of their people of the year, which we'll get to. But I was like, whoa, that's so cool. Awesome. Yay. Like, so I was very. <laughs> excited to to see that as part of your journey awesome yeah um so I mean you're kind of famous to me but if anybody who's listening who doesn't know who A. Andrews is can you introduce yourself to the audience
0: yeah uh so I am a disabled non-binary um cartoonist I'm a um just a queer cartoonist kind of essayist um I do a little bit of everything. Um, I started out with work on a website called Autostraddle, which is like a queer uh, women's media site. And then it kind of took off from there. Um, and most recently, I'm probably most well known for uh, my book, A Quick and Easy Guide to Sex and Disability, which is a short little graphic novel about um, all things sex education and disability
1: yeah and we'll get to it. you that book has gotten some praise from pretty big heavy hitters in the community, yeah, and yeah. it's like I love it because it's so simple, it's so easy it it literally is exactly what it says a quick, easy guide to sex and disability, which we'll get to. but before we get to all that stuff, though, I want to chat with you about just can you share with us what your disabilities are and how they impact your day? yeah,
0: totally. um so I was born with spina bifida. Um, I was born with, uh, it's called a myelomeningocele, So, uh, it's basically open spina bifida on the base of my back, um, which is a neural tube disorder, uh, that has affected everything from like my urinary tract system to, uh, different, just like nervous system properties, I guess, um, and my mobility, uh, primarily. Nice. Um, and then kind of with that has come like in older age I've, I've started to develop a lot of like depression anxiety kind of stuff as well just from
1: isn't that such a fun trip when you're like yeah cool that's happening now yeah
0: you're like cool I get to you know grow up a little hard and then it just gets harder
1: <laughs> yeah like and yeah. like disability and depression is such a different beast than I think yeah definitely people realize like do you have a do you have like is the depression manifesting in ways of like ableism and all that kind of stuff? Like how does it play a role for you?
0: For sure. I think, uh, you know, a lot of it, I, I have a lot of kind of medical trauma, I suppose. Um, Trauma always feels like such a big word to use, but um, a lot of medical related stuff, a lot of fear of hospitals. I've had about 60 plus surgical procedures. And so like the older that I get, the more stressful hospitalizations get and, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of, I guess, pent up anxiety and panic that kind of comes from a lot of my medical treatment. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, just kind of the loneliness, isolation, all of those things that kind of uh, hit at weird times and really kind of get you.
1: And this is not a question I wrote down, but I have it for you because I want to I wanna chat about it a little bit. Um, do you feel like the loneliness is in part because there's a bunch of ableism in the queer community do you feel like that our community has work to do like
0: absolutely you know and like I I feel very like I feel very privileged in my level of access and and even with my level of access I I experience like such a like isolating feel from the rest of the queer community that I know that like the ableism that exists on this like grander scale within the community is just like rampant. And honestly, just like it gets really, really hard to kind of negotiate between your identities. Like when, when so much of like your identity is tied to like really like making you feel bad about yourself. I mean, like a lot of the queer community, um, is really negligent, I think, of, like, disability and disability identity. And Which ability- is so
1: ironic, because there's yeah. so many queer disabled people that, like, so I many. talk to, like, all the time, and I'm like, why are we not, well, how come no one is paying attention to this?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, like, the internet is a, is a, both a godsend, it's like, the internet can be such a lonely place, but it's a godsend just to be able to, like, connect to with we're, so like, many queers that yeah. are disabled
1: to do like what we're doing right now just talking about that stuff is it's yeah such a great thing but it's also really rare but I also hate it it's really weird like yeah it's, yeah
0: it's very lonely it's really hard to like uh, I was talking to a friend even about it the other day about how just like sharing stories with people like life stories and then like you'll start to share something that feels very normal and people will just be like yeah. <laughs> you're oh oh like,
1: poor you you're like
0: you're like, no, this is like a funny story. And you're they're supposed, like, yeah, oh. you're supposed to giggle at that. Like, I pee myself, yeah, and, why are you not laughing? Yeah, and there's just that, like, there's kind of just that pervasive reminder that, like, people are kind of othering you even when you're in community with them. And yeah. and that can be really uncomfortable. Yeah.
1: How do you think, and this is not one that I wrote down, but I want to go down this way because I feel like we could. How do you think um, your disability impacts your queerness and vice versa?
0: Um, you know, for a long time, when I started writing, I came into to writing and like my cartoonist work actually in a weird roundabout way, because I started in therapy. <laughs> I uh, went to school as and and got my graduate degree as an art therapist. Um, and That's I cool. was really interested in working with disabled folks and in hospital settings. And that was kind of when um, panic stuff started to really get in the way. Um, because being in hospital settings, like even professionally or not sick was really getting hard for me personally.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so I decided to start like writing about it and like reaching out to people and connecting with people kind of in in that way. And I started to want to share my stories because it felt so weird to be so private about my life and ask for so much information from other people, like my clients and things like that. Um, and one of the main things that i had really started like wanting to explore was like uh my like comfortability with talking to like queer people about disability and disabled people about queerness like and how like um obviously like we are proof that you can be both and that intersectionality is clearly a thing but uh i started really becoming very very like present and aware of like, which, like at what times was I more comfortable talking to like disabled people about queer identity? And and at one point, was I more comfortable talking to queer people about being disabled? And, and they were all over the map, you know, like they never, they never matched up well. Um, And I always just like thought that that was so interesting, like how much discomfort I carried in my body with talking to like either group of people about my opposing identity yeah um I don't know if that was a thing for you at
1: all I mean it is a thing for me right now like I still I'm a well-known figure which sounds gross to say but it's true
0: no Mm -hmm. you are yeah absolutely
1: people know who I am and like when I go into disabled spaces I have trouble talking about how queer I am Mm -hmm. and then when I go into queer spaces I have trouble talking about how disabled I am and like I think this will be a lifelong thing no matter how many times I traverse each community I'll still struggle with like how much of each community am I allowed to share when yeah. I'm in the other one like it's such a weird thing that I don't think we talk about because it's it's interesting to me how how much of our identities are not allowed in, in either space. Yeah
0: absolutely and how much like but like strangely um, being both kind of, like, sort of tricks the mind into thinking that you're, like, not enough of either, like. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Somehow,
0: like, because I'm two things instead of, like, one hyper specific thing, I have, like, tricked myself into, like, thinking that I'm, like, rationing, (laughs) like, my identities or something. But you Um, totally
1: do. You totally end up, like, it's like you shove yourself in a box in each community, mm -hmm. and then when you do that, every single time you do that, You break off a piece of yourself and part of you gets left behind in that box. And no matter how many times you do it, you'll never wholly yourself. And that's, I think as a queer disabled person, that's really frustrating.
0: Yep. Absolutely. agree. Could not agree more.
1: Because like, if you're disabled, you're allowed to talk about access and you're allowed to talk about ramps and elevators and buttons and all that stuff is allowed. But if I said, I want to talk about access to my queer sexuality all of a sudden i wouldn't be allowed to talk about that anymore right
0: yeah it's like the shutdown there's like and there, and it's immediate it's like
1: yeah a hundred percent you're shut down immediately without question
0: yeah absolutely
1: and that can that i think that's really that's where the isolation and the loneliness comes through for me because it's like i can't just go to the club and pick up a guy or go on an app and pick up somebody because i keep having to navigate. How do I share my disability with them? Or how do I share my queerness with them Mm -hmm. in a way that's accessible?
0: Also, like, navigating that frustration in a way where you're, like, not 100% (laughs) of your life frustrated. Like, I spend so much of my time, like, really worried that I'm, am I too angry? Am I too sad? Am I too... um,
1: Oh, my God. The anger thing, (laughs) like, the anger part is so... It's so hard because I'm angry, but like I've recognized that if you go on the internet angry, nobody wants to communicate with you. Or yeah. like you can only go on the internet angry as a disabled person if you're angry about access. If you're angry about that you can't find relationships or that you're lonely or that you're, you're, you're isolated, if you go on the internet and talk about that as a disabled person, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. But if I, if I said, like, oh, no, the bus wouldn't let me get on because access, then everybody cares. But if I yep. said, I'm lonely tonight because nobody wants to come over and like be intimate with me or spend time with me or just be in the same room with me, no one cares about that. But if I if I said, I couldn't get into the ramp, I couldn't get into this club because there was no ramp, everybody would care.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, just like, I don't know if this comes up for you, but like I get a lot of fear over like who mm-hmm. – I'm expressing anger to and how, like uh, I'm always thinking about like an essay that I'm writing, am I like, am I if I'm like griping about some like layer of my disability or if I'm griping about my queerness, am I griping like to a community of people or a readership where they're gonna take that and then like it moves out of context to like what I mean or what I say? Am I saying yeah. like I hate, disabled people if i say i hated being disabled today like yeah and and there's like a constant like i i feel like it's like people over police the way that like we experience our bodies and our like lives inside of our bodies so much yeah. that there's like a hyper vigilance where we start to do that almost to ourselves
1: oh yeah i do it all the time with my social media posts like i'm so like you see it on my instagram and it's, i'm so careful about what I say and I curate I curated so much like
0: yeah you like write something sarcastic and then you immediately are like oh god are they gonna know I'm joking
1: yeah like <laughs> it, is it funny or are they gonna or like if I get one bad comment I'm like okay I'm taking it down I'm, I'm done with it it's finished mm-hmm.
0: yeah,
1: I absolutely
0: just, just that like hyper vigilance has really like kicked up a notch like the more and more I explore like identity out loud and I'm just like learning more and more about like how deep-seated all of that really like feeds into you as a person
1: yeah and it's gonna be really hard it's just gonna be so hard to navigate because we don't have spaces on the internet as disabled or queer people where we can go and properly express that like we've said we can go to one place to talk about being disabled and go to another place to talk about being queer but you can't put them together because they don't go together. Yeah. And it's really frustrating. It can be really, really compartmentalizing and just fucking exhausting. Yeah. Like, it's... Just so Like, how, how do you think all of that stuff? Because I know for me, that fucks up my relationships. Like, I, it's hard for me to have. I've never had a long-lasting, long-term relationship with anybody because I'm brushing up against my own ableism and I'm brushing up against their ableism and then I'm brushing up against my own fear and then all yeah. the stuff we talked about. Like, does that play a role in relationships for you
0: for sure I think I'm really um I I definitely am like I would say mistrusting probably in relationships um I'm very uh I'm very apologetic
1: oh my god why are we not best friends because I do the same thing I do the same thing I say sorry before I do anything
0: I am very apologetic I um not to get crazy deep about family but I very much grew up in uh I, I think like family was very hard for me in terms of disability my family is very young they had a really hard time with it um a lot of general dysfunction so there was just a lot of like I would Stuff. say kind of scapegoating of like my disability as like a foundational problem kind of you know oh picture. that's
1: fun for you growing um, up in, yeah up. yeah it's great um,
0: and and I definitely grew up in that in that lens of like um like don't make people feel like this is already really overwhelming for people. Don't make people feel worse around oh you. Like my role like oh make wow. me feel better. And so like obviously as an adult, I've worked tremendously to like unlearn things but you know things stick with you and I think sorry is like my number one word I am so good at just being like oh my god I'm so sorry
1: yeah me too it's it's but I mean it and I mean it every
0: time that I say it but it is like I I joked with a therapist once that sorry is like the easiest feeling that I have (laughs) (laughs) it's like the most (laughs) natural emotion that I experience it's just like Complete sorrow. I just like complete guilt over anything that I can possibly assume responsibility for.
1: I was raised Jewish, mm-hmm. and I came I came out queer, mm-hmm. so I know guilt. Guilt is like
0: great I mean, job. Yeah,
1: like <laughs> guilt is my my go to. So, like you know, you talk you touched briefly how you were joking with a therapist. Do you find therapy like I don't like therapy because I always have to go to the therapist and be like, okay here's what ableism is, here's how disability impacts me, blah, 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 blah. Do you feel like you can, Like what, what was that like for you? Were you like, this is a great thing or did you have to do all that?
0: Oh my God. I'm a person. So I obviously I went to school for therapy. I believe in therapy inherently as a practice. But my experiences, I'm, like, probably in trouble for this, but, like, my experiences have always been terrible in therapy. <laughs> always.
1: I have but never had a good me experience. Too. Yeah, we, yeah um, exactly.
0: Yeah. It, like, I have, for one, I have the tendency to, like, I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is about my personality. Maybe it's my, I want to blame my astrological sign because that makes it the easiest. But I just want of my course. therapist to like me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want them to dislike me at all so for one I'm secretive even with therapists which is not helpful yeah. um and yeah therapy is always really uncomfortable with, for me um I always have therapists who are also like hmm, um, <laughs> very uh you know sometimes in therapy most of the time in therapy I need to share things very much related to my queerness and to my disability um either in conjunction or separately and uh I always get a very strong vibe from therapists that they don't quite know what to say to it and that they feel bad for me yeah and it's wildly uncomfortable
1: it's the most uncomfortable feeling because you're sitting in that room and they have a notepad and they're writing shit down and you're like do you know what ableism is and they're like and you can tell the answer is no so you're like how do I gently walk them through this but mm-hmm. also get my needs met, and also, why am I paying them for this session? Why are they not paying me to teach somebody? To-
0: I know. I like. I yeah. It it's always a mess. I've had therapists cry. Huh. Um, About like <laughs> the worst is when you're telling them something like really emotional, and you just need them to hold hold it together, and then they cry. And I've oh, I've no. like left sessions because therapists have cried
1: okay anyone listening who wants to become a therapist don't cry when we tell you shit please don't cry (laughs) don't cry we can cry bad yeah it's really weird I don't I don't want to see you cry I want to see you hold it together while I talk to you about the ableism that I experienced yes wow um do you find like that you have to teach them a lot of stuff or is it mostly you just sharing something then they cry and then you run away
0: um, I would say there's a good 50-50. There's a lot of teaching involved, but I also feel like this, I don't know if you feel like this, but like, I feel like that in, in medicine, <laughs> I go to the doctor oh, yeah. and I'm, I got doctors like Googling, like it drives me. Yeah. My doctor way.
1: pulls out, pulls out her and she's like, my, my GP is great. But when she pulls out her like computer to look something up, I'm like, wait, aren't you a doc- Don't you? Aren't, shouldn't you? Okay. All right. Oh, okay. Sure. Sure. Great. <laughs>
0: terrifying every time
1: <laughs> so scary every time and as every a disabled time. and as a disabled person when you go to the doctor and they do that it's even more terrifying because you're like what do I, you just google what we need to do. what do i do oh no
0: like maybe like i i would love a doctor that at least like faked it really well you know like just like wrote it down like a little note on a notepad and then was like i'll be right back
1: yeah, <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> and,
0: sits and comes back You'll and magically right knows in. something yeah um, yeah but yeah yeah like it's a common enough experience that I tend to stay and kind of give them a weird amount of tries before I eventually give up but but yeah Um, yeah therapists you're always having to tell them something about yourself and like educate them before you can tell them why it's important like
1: and the real stuff
0: it's a lot yeah it's
1: it's so much So. It's so much a lot. Um, and we've, this is only the first question. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so, the second thing, I, the, the, one of the reasons why I want to bring you on is obviously because of your graphic. Are we calling it a graphic novel? Or what are we calling it? Are we calling it
0: a. I mean, I guess, yeah, it's a graphic novel of sorts and nonfiction.
1: A graphic narrative. Educational guide, I guess we're calling it. Uh, yeah, um, so, I want to talk about your graphic guide. Okay. A quick and easy guide to sex and disability. Um, I loved it because it was so easy to read, really simple, but also really funny and also really like quirky. And there was a lot of you in that when I read it. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's really important for people to have comprehensive guides to sex and disability because there are there are literally, say for like the one that I helped to curate last year with my sex toy company and like a few others. They're not really out there. So you putting this out there was really important. What do you think compelled you? Like, why do you want to make this?
0: Um, so it started kind of for a number of reasons. I think, you know, the biggest being kind of the most bummer sounding reason. But I think, like, the prevalence of, like, sexual assault in disability communities is wildly unacceptable. Um, yeah. And it's also something that is very, very silent and quiet, and I absolutely hate it. <laughs> like, um, I think, I think that's probably the number one reason is that, like, I think disabled people need to know what, what good sex is and what bad sex is, and to know that they deserve good touch. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. Yeah, you
0: know at at risk of making it too too serious because it's a fun topic sex but but you know the disability community um lacking sex education and lacking um any attention really to the subject is really scary to me oh yeah um and so that was like maybe the biggest you know the biggest pull where i was wow uh, because it didn't
1: it didn't it didn't read like a scary you know it doesn't really like a scary
0: yeah I mean I didn't want sex to be scary um sex should never be scary I think that was kind of my point was you know like if we if we teach people about the ways that their bodies can feel good um then people will know like what what to ask for what to expect what is good and what is okay and like disabled people deserve that yeah um And I think for me, it was like, you know, growing up, I never had anything like that. Um, Sex education in schools was like, you know, I was uh, like pardoned from sex education. I didn't, I didn't attend. They like removed me from it. Yeah, which Um, is
1: really common for a lot of disabled folks to be asked
0: to leave
1: or to leave or to like, you know, to not retain much. And I I did, I did sex ed, but Mm -hmm. I did the... straight cis male version of sex ed which was don't get a girl pregnant and wear a condom and I yeah. was in the back being like but I want to know how anal sex feels and I want to know how like a 12 year old me a 14 year old me was like I'm gonna be with the dude can you teach me that please thank yeah. you and nobody like nobody nobody did
0: yeah yeah I think so like for one it was like you know we don't have enough of this resource we don't like get this information oftentimes at all and then like the second part of me was just like when we do get that kind of information one it's very cis-normative um it's very like heterosexual like very like to the point like reproductive focused yeah um and it's completely and totally like
1: lacking pleasure
0: lacking any pleasure focus or accessibility focus whatsoever like um and and the then when I was like really offered any opportunity to like learn about sex education when I found like books or talked to doctors or professionals or or anyone really um it was so medicalized it was so serious it was like well technically like you know and it's like that doesn't sound fun like so I I really wanted to like create something that I just wish that I had which was just like a friend to talk to about sex the way that like Uh lots of able-bodied people have is just people to talk to about their sex lives and their interests in their sex lives um and i wanted that for disabled people i just wanted to have like fun conversations about various ways that we can enjoy sex and enjoy touch and ways to make it safe comfortable and fun
1: yeah and i mean you've you've definitely put that in the book like you can see you can see how fun it is and you can see how light it is like it's light but it also touches on stuff like ableism and stuff like you know internalized ableism and people's fears around their own sexuality and it goes into all that stuff but then you know beside the the quote of somebody feeling afraid there's like a a cartoon to kind of guide you through or like a drawing to guide you through like that feeling and I like that because that's really accessible for for somebody kind of dealing with that like a, a little drawing to be like oh we can talk about this stuff and it's not just a bunch of scary words on a page yeah there's something to like immerse myself in
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I also think I had like this weird little like fantasy in my brain that if I could just like create a book that answered one would be able-bodied person asking a disabled person how they have sex. <laughs> like if I could just like prevent one person from asking that question.
1: Oh my God. Then well, I would good have luck to you. Good luck to you. Cause I mean, <laughs> they're, they're everywhere. I have They seeing, are
0: everywhere. Like
1: as a fellow sex educator doing this stuff and putting out content, I'm still constantly asked, hey, so how do you have sex? And it's like, well, first of all, seeing as we're not having sex, you don't need to know the answer to that. Secondly, like, oh, can you, like, I I always say this, I wish that people would ask, how does sex and disability feel for you? Like, mm-hmm. instead of how do you have sex? Let's get into like the emotional side of it. So I wanted to ask you, how does sex and disability feel for you
0: um sex and disability for me feels great it feels fun it feel uh, like I feel very empowered by my sexuality i feel um, i don't know I feel very like proud of it. I think it took me a really long time to get to a point where I felt um proud of being like a sexual person I think when I was young it was really hard to imagine myself that way yeah um and yeah at this point I mean for me it just feels uh it feels really good to be a person that is more open I think about my sexuality um because I just think I carried a lot of shame when I was young the older that I've gotten the better it feels to be just kind of out and say What's on my mind and, and talk about it as though it's a normal thing because
1: it is. That's awesome. And it's like, that is a hard place to get to. And you would think that I would be there too, but it's, it's, you, I feel like you're constantly ebbing and flowing there. Like one day you're there and then the next day you're like five steps from there or you're Definitely. 10 steps away. And it's, it's, it's a constant, not a struggle, but it's a journey to be okay yeah. with yourself. What part of, <laughs> as I choke on my words, what part of your, <laughs> what part of your, <laughs> disability identity do you think around when it came to your sexuality and, and owning your sexuality what part of your disabled identity were you most ashamed of?
0: Ooh, um, I've definitely always had a lot of body issues I've always like been very um, like acutely aware of all the like ways that I'm different from other people um, and I think definitely when I was young that was hard to get over but you know I'm a very I'm very very small I identify as a trans mask but at like 34 pushing 35 I'm only I'm smaller than five feet tall um I have like very limited mobility um so a lot of like size like sizist kind of things have been really hard for me to get out of my head yeah um I also think like I have a lot of of scars and a lot of like places on my body that feel uh that make me feel really like nervous to be touched and things like that so that can be really um challenging to kind of work through with partners um Yeah. Things like that. I mean, those are probably like the most pervasive in terms of my like actual sex life that really get in the way.
1: Yeah. No, I I understand the feeling about scars and I understand the feeling of like, even doing something new in bed. Like there are so many things when Mm -hmm. I have a partner over, like I I wanted, I want to, in my head, I want to be this like sex God that wants to try all these things and wants to do all this stuff. And then when they're like, let's try this new thing. I'm like, Oh God, how does disability gonna play into that oh no like yeah. I want to but what if my body says no and what if like everything falls apart and then will you still want to fuck me and like okay how do we do this like do you does that anxiety come through when you're with a partner
0: definitely like absolutely there's always um like nervousness of anything from like an accident of some sort or um I would say like an accident would probably be my biggest anxiety in terms of sex. I think, honestly, from people who I've spoken to, it's probably one of the bigger topics that people get really anxious around.
1: It's my biggest fear. My biggest fear as somebody with IBS and Mm bladder stuff is like, am Mm -hmm. I going to piss or shit on you during this moment where I'm supposed to be really sexy? Like, it's
0: so scary. It's very scary. It's very scary. It's nerve wracking to talk to a partner about um in in an initial partner I have a very hard time with like um like casual sex um like being vulnerable with like multiple people you know um I I'm like very much a like if I'm in a relationship I'm in a relationship and I can't be vulnerable with tons of people because I'm very nervous
1: yeah Um, no no I fully understand that like I think like for me as a I'm not binary but I present as a cis man Mm-hmm. Um, so being in those communities and like seeing how frivolous they are with their sexuality and their bodies, which is fine, and I fully support you, and I want to do that too. But then when I get in the room to do that, I'm like, oh my god, there's so much stuff, like, you don't know all my things, how do I yeah. talk to you about this? And like, that's why I pretty much only see like one sex worker occasionally because I'm like, I'm too. And it's funny that we're talking about this now because now that we're talking about it, I'm realizing it's not that I don't want to do all these things it's that I'm scared to like do them with a new person and have to face the rejection all over again and have Mm -hmm. to start from like zero and be like okay this is my body let's start from zero and go to like it's I don't want to do that multiple times it's too fucking hard it's too scary
0: yeah it's it's really hard it's really scary and like honestly it's like I'm letting all my secrets out here because like whenever it actually comes up in my life I try to like kind of over confide like I'm overconfident about it like this is matter of fact this is my life (laughs) this is what you get when you're with me and then later on I'm just like sobbing in a corner like panicked
1: (laughs) well if you ever need a sobbing in a corner friend just just hit me (laughs) up and we can you got it yeah yeah
0: you got it yeah yeah it's 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 really scary and you know a lot of the time it's things that um things that I'm scared of don't come up and it's fine but, like, the fear that things will come up or something will happen or someone will say something um, really gets, it gets in my head.
1: Have you had partners say stuff, like, in the middle of sex where you're just like, okay, how do I do this and still so, fuck you or still be with you intimately, but also, oh, no.
0: Oh, my God. I have definitely, well, I definitely had the experience of somebody being too interested in all things disability, like, which is actually like a thing that I don't really want to talk about when I'm having sex. I'm not like really interested in talking about like all things, my body weirdness. Like I I just want to like get it on. Yeah. Um, uh, I also like a lot of the time, um, what is my number one? I really hate it when I tell someone about something that I'm like uncomfortable with or I don't like um, and then they're like, oh, it's okay, I don't mind and I'm like, I didn't ask, like, I didn't ask you if you mind it, I don't like it.
1: I didn't say we're doing this, I said we're not doing this. Yeah, I I didn't, like,
0: ask you if you thought my feet were weird, I said I don't want you to touch them, (laughs) like, (laughs) like, I, you know, like, I don't need you to tell me that they're fine, and that always really throws me off, like, if someone tries to, like, Overcompensate with like how fine they are about something. I'm done, and
1: and that's always a a code for like, you know, they're not fine. I have guys do this to me all the time. They come in my place and they see my holder lift and they see my lift to get out of bed, and they go, Oh, yeah, it's no problem, no big deal. And then we'll get down to like the sex part, and they'll be like, Oh, this is a lot. I didn't realize that like you were so much there was so much stuff to deal with here and I was like but you said you were fine with everything like if you weren't fine with it why are you like stop lying
0: yeah like it's it's like in inviting you here this is like an invitation I'm offering this is an extension like no one is forcing you to be here and so it's just like I don't moment I have never needed anyone to tell me at, at the point of sleeping with them that they are like fine with my body like, like I've a, decided upon this
1: already like when I'm about to come with you I don't need you to be like oh it was a lot yeah hey, well that great doesn't help me out very much like thanks but no <laughs> um and I think you know I have so much trauma and again trauma is a big word but it is trauma I have trauma around like guys leaving in the middle of sex and people not, people not expressing they really feel and so you have this weird awkward sex that is like full of ableism but you're like is that normal is it okay how do I manage this yeah
0: it's a lot it's
1: it's it's a lot
0: I also get a lot of um age related things sometimes pop up because I tend to look fairly young I think because of my size and and just like i don't know the way that my body looks and um you know i i will be really like interested in a person and then like a strange age related comment will kind of come in and then that feels very icky and weird for me
1: something like oh you look so young for your age or you look? you look
0: yeah pe- well people that really like to like uh I don't like to be, like, picked up or, ha- like, handled or moved around, you know? Yeah, um, of and, and, yeah, like, people making, like, comments about, like, how young I look or, like, wanting, like, suddenly wanting certain, like, age-related, like, conversation and things like that. And I'm like, mm, I'm not as into this. As
1: this isn't, you think like, a it... thing
0: that we pre-agreed on. Yeah. Feeling mm-hmm. weird for me.
1: And, and I can imagine that's frustrating also because you know then there's the weird power dynamics of like if you look younger then Mm -hmm. are they then are they like a then are then are you like like in queen in the queer male space it's really big on big bro little bro daddy bullshit Yeah. like, like and i like that to a point but also sometimes it's weird and i'm like oh that feels weird
0: yeah yeah that's that's where the line is there's like cute daddy and then there's like papa
1: yeah it's like no i'm good yeah yeah you're not my father (laughs) yeah thank you it's very strange um so like how do you navigate all this stuff not so much in this in like sex but just in like dating and like getting to know somebody are you and just from talking to you i get the sense that like we have the same sense of humor i feel like it's very wry and really like quick are you that way when you introduce your disability to somebody or how do you, like, bring them into the fold?
0: Yeah, I think, well, for one, I'm um very, I don't online date. Ooh. I don't online date because I'm, it makes, it makes me anxious.
1: I don't believe Using apps. It's terrifying um, and I hate them. And they're the worst. They're, all of them. are horrible. They're yeah, horrible. they're
0: terrible. And like, you know, uh, I <laughs> think with the direction of the world, maybe uh, this might be changing. <laughs> I'm not sure, but, but, um, I really, as a general rule of thumb, I try not to just because I get a lot of anxiety around like, will I, won't I be like a thing that you expect? Um, I don't really like to have, um, the like the disability conversation like too deep like on the internet if I don't have to um so like there's a lot of like when do I share what do I share like how much is important to share with somebody that I'm meeting for the first time um I kind of go like really back and forth around like how much of myself do I really like owe a person that I'm trying to just like have coffee with and get to know and see if like we actually vibe yeah um and i find like online like a lot of of people like want this like kind of like surefire connection like we're gonna meet with this in mind and we're gonna like
1: i'm gonna fuck you within the first five minutes of saying hi (laughs)
0: yeah like we're gonna have like a cool hookup and i'm just like i like really genuinely want to like meet you at a bar and like have a good time with you and then like we either like decide to go home or like decide to hang out another time like yeah um and so like that's a lot more my style and vibe I like it when people can kind of see me like I'm able to like pick up a vibe and then flirt kind of comfortably um and like you know like not have such a huge like intention weighing over my head
1: um, yeah I mean it, it is a lot I think with in my experience is a queer male person looking for other queer men god it's so sex focused and it's oh, so yeah. like can i see your dick before i see your face and yes. it's like no i want to can i see your face first can you put some like effort into the words you're using here and then like can you turn me on with your intellect or your like wit yeah before before i have to like judge whether or not i'm gonna like throw you this evening i don't know who knows well like let's get there and then for me it's like when I go on the apps, I have to be really forthcoming about that. My, for, especially around queer mm-hmm. from queer male apps, I have to talk about how like, yes, my my genitals work. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm viable, just like X Y Z guy over there, and that can be exhausting too. Like that can be really. Do you find that? And I'm gonna go off on a tangent here, but I'm no, curious. Do you find like that that the trans mask community? is accepting of disability in your experience? Um,
0: I don't know. I, you know, I, I think that, um, the trans community in general is a lot more accepting than the overarching queer community. Yeah. Um, I think the trans community, I think actually like my tangent (laughs)
1: My yeah. tangent
0: is that, like, I actually think like my trans identity and my disability identity are so much more in line with one another than like just my the sexuality component of my. Oh current. yeah,
1: tell me, tell me all about this. Let's, I'm ready to go down there.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, i I want to be, I want to be very clear that they're very they're different identities in, in in their entirety. But you know, I think like, um, one like maybe just like the crossfire of medicalization is like can be comforting and can can like allow for some camaraderie and some understanding um and I also just think like you know trans people and like relational experience to like everybody has a body and everybody is different is like so much more comforting, like, than talking to just like your generic queer, like any cis queer person. Yeah. Um, because like, you know, we're all living in an ableist world. And, and a lot of the time, like ableism and cis heteronormativity, like really like.
1: Collaborate ableism and with transphobia really like go together. Like, yeah, they it, really do. They and really, They really do
0: i mean and and like you know i think that um in being in being trans i i think like we are like coming more and more into to our own and into these communities where we're just like you know we don't have to medically transition to be trans. We don't have to look like this to be trans or to look like that to be trans. And it's like, there's like a radical kind of body positivity that's existing within the trans community that's made it a lot more comforting to be like disabled in a trans space than it is to be disabled in a queer space.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so that aspect of it has been great. Like, I, I think um there that, that a lot of like, I think a lot of trans people are, in my in my opinion, and in, in my experience of them, like so much more down to talk about like the body politics of disabled people and to like really listen. Um, oh
1: yeah, completely. In completely. other aspects
0: of queer community.
1: Yeah, I um, I really agree with that. A hundred percent.
0: Dating and sex-wise, like I don't. For me, trans transition like has been a really hard thing for me to kind of navigate and move through I've had a lot of like I actually just made my appointment for uh for tea to talk to a doctor about uh going on hormone
1: oh congrats amazing that's amazing
0: yeah, it took me nine months to make the appointment, like called the office and was like, sorry, wrong number. And like, <laughs> oh,
1: but yeah, I'm so glad you did it. Bruce. Like, that's well, awesome I, like I know how hard it is. Like I don't know from experience, but I know from other friends who are looking at tea and trying to get on it and are worried yeah. about that. And also as a disabled person, like I know, I know what it's like when you have to start a new drug or a new therapy yeah. and how stressful that can be. So I get that part for sure.
0: Yeah, it feels very weird to call it any kind of choice um, because I don't believe that transition is inherently like choice or opt in or opt out. But um, it's been a journey, like choosing more medical treatment like that's yeah. been real. Um, it's a weird thing that I'm kind of working out now and trying to figure out how to write about even. But uh, that that aspect of things and like trying to find like a clinic or a doctor that's like not gonna be like, well, we don't know how hormones would work uh, with someone like you and we don't know the safety of it. So maybe not like has been my biggest fear, you know, that someone that maybe like the medical establishment wouldn't really let me uh, transition, but I don't know if that's rooted in any reality or all in my head. We'll no, see.
1: No, no, I get it. I think there's there's so much ableism that people that that doctors put on us.
0: Yeah, and they
1: don't know. And they're not sure. So like, like, and I know I, I know other friends who have tried to transition and gone to doctors and been like, I have this disability. Can I transition? The doctor will be like, Oh, yeah. are you sure yeah. you want to? What about this? And it's like, Well, you no, know, no, yeah. I'm coming to you for a reason. So I think your fear is rooted in a very real reality that we don't talk about enough, but it's there.
0: Yeah. And just like the reality that like your, your health care might change, you know, like yeah, uh, in, in being trans, your, your doctors might treat you differently. Your general medical treatment might be harder to access. Like all of those things really enter my head a lot. So, um, so yeah, like, I mean, the two intersect in these like really, really positive ways. And then they like really
1: Clash in other ways too. I think the the identities are beautiful, but they're also like terrifying. (laughs) Like
0: basically, it's really scary to be a person.
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I think we found the headline for this episode. Like, Mm -hmm. it's too good. It's really scary to be a person. Really Um, scary to be a
0: person.
1: I wanted to ask you though, because I've started using they he pronouns because I'm moving away from. The expectation because my body is disabled and mm-hmm. super, and super like medicalized and super crippled, as they call it. Um, so I have moved away from, I'm slowly moving away from like the cis queer normative idea of what a gay man is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And they feels kind of nice around my disability. It's a nice, like, blanket of like, I can be whatever the fuck I want, nobody cares for you, yeah. in terms of like in terms of, like, pronouns and your disability, do, does your they have anything to do with disability, you think?
0: Absolutely. I think, you know, I've gotten to a place where I have finally kind of just reckoned with, like, everything that I do in my whole entire life, from, like, the clothes that I put on in the morning to, like, the time that I go to bed will have to do with my disability. Like, I think disability informs literally every aspect of my life. Um, And I think like they then feels really fitting for me. Um, I think a lot of my kind of initial coping mechanism for like having a disabled body was in kind of not like rejecting it, but like in kind of rejecting like the body as the self, like your body is all you are kind of mantra um and and so you know I think early on like not relating to my body at all was the most comforting thing in the world was just like I am not my body I am like something different and that something is undefinable you know um and I think that like in like really exploring my gender and like really looking at it, that kind of conflicted with that idea of like having a body because it was like, you know, this other level, it was like two dysphorias living inside of one body of like, um, my body is always uncomfortable and I'm always unsatisfied with it. It's very unreliable. It <laughs> frequently lets me down. Um, uh, and then, you know, also like I don't feel aligned with my gender at all and like starting to realize that I didn't like the way that people talked to me or talked about me um for me like they them kind of became like gender is kind of a nothing to me uh for me it's not both it's neither it's it's like I don't really identify as like a man or a woman or any kind of generic sense of anything um, I kind of like identify solely as myself, and that helps me to move through the world as a person who's just different um yeah. so yeah, like i I think they then really kind of like at first it kind of butt heads, it was like, think about your body, <laughs> um, and then it was like, actually, this is better, you know, like looking at myself this way is a way of being like, I don't have to be.'
1: Anything. Anything
0: that is assigned or given to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can be something completely different. I can be whatever it is that I am.
1: For me, vainness is like, I can be as disabled as I need to be in this body. And I'm not forced to confine myself to what queer men are telling me I'm supposed to be like. What the queer overarching community is telling me I'm supposed to do. What the disability community is telling me I'm supposed to do. I'm not going to be any of that. I'm going to just be this person. And if I move away from from he and him and his, which I still use occasionally when I'm when I'm in different spaces, because it sometimes it feels safer to just be a he and him than a they them. Because mm-hmm. the world is fucked and people are weird. So sometimes when I'm in, when I'm in that doctor's office, I won't talk about my venus because oh my
0: God, yes,
1: it's not a safe space to do that.
0: Right. Also, like I just refuse, like. Like I have to be uncomfortable all the time. Like Yeah. Everywhere that I go, there's some level of discomfort. If I can like turn off some of it, you know, I go to the doctor and I'm like, call me whatever you want, just treat me. Like
1: yeah, just, just do the care. Whatever you going to do. Give me do, medication. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah,
0: Swear at me. I don't care. Just give me medication. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: Just do whatever it is. Yeah, but like I feel like, you know, my venus is allows me to be whatever I need to be and it's kind of like a fuck you to all these established things like to be a disabled person you have to be an inspiration I'm they fuck you to be a queer person you have to be muscular white cis like like super masculine or super feminine I'm like I'm neither I'm none of those things yeah fuck fuck you like they is a nice way to kind of be like fuck you I'm gonna do whatever i got to (laughs) do but also like allowing my disability to get progressively not worse or better but just progress as they do that's also a nice way to look at my venous. I think because like oh as my body does different things this venus will still be a constant like yeah. that doesn't have to change and that's kind of for me that's kind of yeah. why what I like about it
0: yeah I love that too I think you know like I don't know um I don't know if you love to look for your like queerness in like baby pictures or pictures from your youth. Oh my
1: god, it was it was everywhere. I was so I love it. I love it
0: so much. And I was like full boy as a child. Like the long, (laughs) like my mom had my hair in like curlers, long, like whatever ringlets like,
1: whatever yeah yeah and yeah. i
0: would just like tuck it all up and put it in a hat my mom would like put me in a dress to go to school and i'd like sneak a basketball jersey in my backpack <laughs> to throw on over my dress like i was just like a total like terror of a boy child like i like i remember once i was like 5 years old and playing with like a neighbor boy we were playing with the door my bedroom door was shut and my mom freaked out And she came into the room and she's like, What are you doing? You never shut this door when you're playing with a little boy. That's absolutely not what are you doing? And I was like, like... We're playing with we're playing house. And she was like white in the face, completely panicked. (laughs) And I was like, He's the dad. I'm the brother. And she's Oh, so cute. And it was just like constant boy. Everything was boy. And then like I think the older that I got, obviously, like I didn't like my body did not change like a boy's body was going to change. And I think that like they themness being this way of like not having to be like disappointed by any of the ways that I'm not.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's
0: like very freeing. It's like very comfortable for me. Like
1: when I was a kid, I knew I was a boy and I've always Uh been a boy and I identified with the boy part, but Mm -hmm. I was also like, I want to paint my nails and I want to be, I want to wear that dress. And I want to be super like, I remember being like five or six and like my sister, my older sister <laughs> would paint her nails and I'd be like, so why can't I do it? And I get yep. so upset because I want to do it. Yep. Like, I remember being like even 16, 17 and my sister going off to prom with the like handsome boy and me being like, I want to wear the dress and have the handsome boy like take me out of date. <laughs> well, like, But and it wasn't so much like I want to be a girl. It was like, I just want that affection from somebody yeah i don't know what that means and so like they themness feels super nice because now i can do all of that and i can also be like fuck you to all the binaries you tried to like everyone tried to put me in
0: yeah i also just think like aspiring for a binary just feels very (laughs) like toxic in nature
1: yeah yeah i mean nature is super queer like watch any nature documentary and like everyone is Fucking everyone. Regardless. Everyone's
0: fucking everyone. Some of them are changing genders. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. yeah, like it's <laughs> like it's totally queer.
0: It's yeah, nature's queer.
1: We should produce. We should make that book. Absolutely. We should, like, we should write. We should. I will write that book with <laughs> you. We should. Be, like we should do a book about <laughs> nature being super queer <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm there. I'm I'm ready.
1: Oh my goodness! A co-authored nature sexy kids book I don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: my god they're like
1: so many possibilities
0: just infinite
1: so many um I'm gonna pull up my questions again and pretend to be professional and pretend like I know what I'm talking about uh oh yeah so I was flipping through the advocate one day and oh, I yeah. saw your face and I was like oh my god It's A. Andrews, like, because we've been following each other's orbs for a couple of years, I squealed in joy for you, because I was like, this is important to see ourselves in a big magazine being profiled. Like, we don't get that kind of attention ever, so when I saw that, I was like, I was so proud to be like, I sort of know them, that's amazing, awesome. So, like, what what was that like for you to have them approach you, to be like, do you want to be a person of the year in our magazine.
0: It was so wild. I, well, for one, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> I thought it was like a spam email. <laughs> um, it, cause they, you know, they approached me. I had worked with The Advocate. Actually, I think with an editor with The Advocate on a story that you were also profiled for. Oh, nice. um, like a, like a sex ed, like queering sex ed and disability kind of profile. Yeah, yeah. Advocate. Um mm-hmm. and so like I I would have expected to have heard from like editors that I had previously worked with. And instead I, I was like someone that I had never worked with before, um, that was reaching out and I, I genuinely it felt sort of out of nowhere and I was kind of taken aback and like I wound up messaging a friend and was like, Do you think this is real? <laughs> like <laughs> um and my friend was like that is absolutely real like they have like an advocate email and like this is your work email that they're messaging like this is real
1: like um
0: so my initial state was just like shock and kind of disbelief um I think like you will know as much as I do that like in doing like any of this kind of work most of the time it kind of just feels like you're like hanging out by yourself and nobody <laughs> knows what you're doing pretty much
1: like it's <laughs> me I mean, it's me on my Instagram wall being like hey I'm having thoughts I guess if you like them like them like I guess if you don't know yeah. like, all right.
0: <laughs> I know people will just be like wow like you're big I read your thing and I'm like you read that like, yeah, like that I'm exists
1: like I'm Um, big you like what you what you follow my stuff all right sure
0: yeah and and it's it's funny because it's just like a level of kind of disbelief you you sort of do block out a little bit of like the fact that you have reach that that people see or or know of the things that you're doing so um a lot of it was just surprise but um it was honestly like it was really fun it was a huge honor. I was completely nervous the whole time. Um, and yeah, we just did a, a fun little interview and kind of chatted for a little bit. And um, I was just really proud to be a part of it.
1: I, because I saw it and I remember seeing it and I just was, I started to brim because I was like, I kind of know them. This is so cool. Like, and also because magazines like that don't often talk about disability. Like, the the mm-hmm. advocates are great, mag, and they're great, but they, they really don't traverse the disability space regularly. Mm-hmm. So to see you there, I was like, this is good. It's like, finally. Yeah. Profiling someone who isn't, like, the three of us with disabilities in Hollywood that people talk about. So it wasn't, like, it wasn't me. It wasn't Ryan O'Connell. And it wasn't, like, insert other disabled queer person that I can't think of right now. So it's nice that they were branching out, too, and not going to the same people again to be like, tell us what it's like, thanks.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think um, it's like, I, I always get really excited to work, like, with other disabled people on, like, disabled platforms, but there is, like, kind of a, there's, like, a weird pride in, like, a like a major outlet that doesn't really focus a lot on disability that is like willing to like take you on in a pitch or, or like any level of like, yes, I'm going to like let a disabled person talk for 20 minutes here. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and it's like, you don't want to like, um, you don't want to like overvalue that kind of experience, but it is like, it does feel like it moves the machine just like that much more when we're able to get those like louder Publications to like take on own voices and disability narratives.
1: Totally, completely, and I think again, seeing like I think for other disabled people who saw that and saw you, like that's a big, it's a big deal. It's important for them to see all types of disability and how they're all represented differently. And like I think you like one of the things you talk about in the profile was that you were often the only disabled kid and the only sick kid in spaces Mm -hmm. like and I know as a person that's always that's also been the only disabled person in -hmm. the space that can be really hard how do you how does that stuff make you feel now um
0: honestly like I I kind of grieve that a little bit um I I think that like I spent a lot of time like you know growing up there was not a lot of emphasis on, like, being disabled and okay. There was a lot of uh, push to be as, like, normal as humanly possible within, like, the confines of my disability. So it was, like, framed very much like this thing to overcome. Like, we're going to get as, like, quote, unquote, normal as possible. And, like... It was very ill and it was like, you know, and it was also like the only thing that I had any level of exposure to. There were no disabled, I was never introduced to like disabled adults where I could see people who were like me who had aged (laughs) or um, disabled kids. I wasn't introduced to like kids to be friends with with the exception of people that I knew and met in hospitals when I would have long stays.
1: Yeah, which only like, solidified your trauma around being in the hospital like great the only time i get to be kids like me when we're sick yeah
0: the only people that i connect with are are you know people who are in the hospital and acutely like ill like me and um you know like sometimes your roommates pass away or sometimes like you lose like friends that you've met in clinic or they just like never come back. And like, there was never, you know, um, my mom didn't like make friends with other parents of disabled children. There wasn't really like that pull for my disability to be integrated, like into our life. And so like a lot of my life was like spent trying to just like seem as regular as possible. Like if I can, you know, like, tons of surgeries to walk because like nobody wants me to be in a chair and it's just like i could have just been in a chair (laughs) like
1: and so much happier in my chair like and so
0: much happier like and like not have like pain that i have or not have like have had like years and years of like treatments and those like wild devices that they like set you up in that look like medieval <laughs> the, torture devices yeah
1: the standards for like, yeah, like
0: they're terrifying
1: what is or this like,
0: the the like the hip dysplasia like the like when you have like the cast all the way up to the waist and you're yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: wide in it <laughs> like for uh, <laughs> like months um you know and like I I grieve that like just that um like growing up like with people who couldn't really cope with my disability but also like growing up at like a point in time in life when like the medical establishment was so like so hellbent on correctiveness like
1: yeah yeah
0: that that I couldn't just like be a disabled kid I had to like correct my body all the time constantly
1: That'd um happen.
0: and I grieve that a lot I think like The, you know, like being the only disabled kid was going to be hard no matter what, I think. But like being the only disabled kid and also kind of having that reinforcement that I was like incorrect was like really awful. Like, I mean, it's just like a really hard way to like live in a body that's inevitably like never going to give the satisfaction that... That people are kind of demanding of you.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: And so, like, there's a lot of, I think, that aspect of life, I grieve a lot. Like, not so much my body, but, like, the time I spent kind of hating it.
1: And I I get that because I'm 37 and I still have moments where I'm like, I don't like my body today. Yeah. like like you said in the title of the show, it's really scary being a person. <laughs> like, it's really scary being a person.
0: It's awful. Like you get to be one person your whole life. Like one. Like we like, don't get to try on anything else. Just like, yeah. Like, like, like what?
1: Like shit. That's it. Um, speaking of trying on something else, this is a question that popped in my head. If you could, because we talked about kind of how hard it was for you to 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 deal with a body that you had to correct all the time. So if you could snap your fingers. And tomorrow, your disability wasn't a thing. What was the first thing you would do as a fully able-bodied, non-disabled person?
0: Oh my god! I would hop on a skateboard.
1: <laughs> awesome!
0: I am obsessed with skateboarding. There's I so think much it's amazing.
1: There's so much trans right <laughs> I and know. I was like, yes, that's so awesome.
0: It's my Leo Baker. Um, you're I, like, you're I was, like,
1: I would do boy stuff immediately.
0: Oh my god! I would. Like, I would get on a skateboard and I would just absolutely wreck all day. Just, like, fall, hurt my, like, I would break my leg doing an able-bodied thing.
1: <laughs> is okay. what
0: I would want to do if I, if I had no disability tomorrow.
1: I mean, I think what I would do if I had no disability tomorrow, I think the first thing I would do is, like, just stand. Because I've never stood independently. So mm-hmm. I would just stand and look at myself and be like, oh, this is what standing feels like. I'm gonna move this leg around. I'm gonna move this leg around, and I'm probably sit in the mirror and be like, "How do I? How do I look when I stand naked?" Because I would, I never know. So like, my nakedness is always either I'm sitting in a chair or I'm in bed. So like, I would never know what is it like to like, you know how people look at themselves in a full length mirror, and mm-hmm. they just stand there and look at their body. I would do that for like hours, and just oh, be yeah. like, "Oh, cool! This is I can do this now." And then I would probably do cartwheels and then I would probably like just go I would probably go running somewhere to be like what is the big deal with running why do people do it all the time (laughs) why Why is it like yeah like what is the big deal
0: honestly running looks terrible
1: it looks so not fun why do you do it
0: Nothing interesting about running no offense to runners no shame for their like
1: do do your thing I'm happy for you but it looks it looks horrible
0: it looks terrible. I like their little tiny short shorts. That's about it.
1: Yeah, I'm there for that. And I like yeah. the outfits you put together to be a runner. But also, the only time I would run is if, like, Jurassic Park was real. And I had to run away yeah. from a dinosaur who was going to get me. Then, sure. Or yes. some horrible thing. Then, okay. But otherwise, no way.
0: No, if I'm running, I'm running away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not it. running towards anything. No, I'm running away.
0: Away. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Running just looks miserable. That's like a thing I'm not even remotely jealous of.
1: No, I don't have, I mean, I, I would want to try it but I, I wouldn't be like, yeah, I'm going to do this every day.
0: No. Yeah. I think I just want to like jump off the ground.
1: Yeah. and just, that just feel seems like,
0: so cool. What? Like, yeah,
1: like what is that? I don't even know. I don't know.
0: Having some leg strength to just like pop my whole body off of the ground. Yeah, that's like well,
1: how, do we, how do people do that? What is that? How...
0: it? How? It's just seems impossible.
1: Boggles <laughs> the mind.
0: It really does. Yeah.
1: Um. So again, I didn't write this down. I'm going off on a tangent here, but what 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 do you think is the sexiest part of your disabled body?
0: Ooh. I like this question. The sexiest part of my disabled body. Um I like my hands. I like my hands and my arms. I have very, like, um, my arms feel, like, very, like, fit and, like, kind of over, like, compensate for all of the lack of strength in other areas of my body. So I feel very confident with my arms and my hands. I, like, I feel, like, in the zone with my arms. Oh, nice. They just feel good.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm an arm person, so I, I get that. And so maybe when you, maybe as you go through the trans mass journey and start the T, you'll even see more growth in your arms as things change.
0: Yeah, I've, I've been doing the like, um, I've been on the new journey of trying to figure out like what kind of fitness feels good for me.
1: Oh, that's fun as a disabled person for sure. That's always. <laughs> oh,
0: my God, it's hell. <laughs> terrible
1: and you're very quickly realizing how inaccessible every gym is to all of us every
0: gym terrible also just like the eyeballs when i'm like mean mugging holding my like seven pound weight
1: (laughs) 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 amazing amazing
0: uh is quite the journey it's very interesting um but but yeah yeah i think um as i as I continue forward. I, I also like my like chest and torso area. Okay. I'm comfortable with like the... I like the front of my body and not the back of my body.
1: That's fair. I also like the front of my body and I never see the back of my body unless one of my caregivers is like, yo, there's a medical problem. You should look at this. So oh, like gosh. I have fear around... The like, pressure sore. Yeah. Like I have fear around when a guy is with me or we're hanging out and a guy's like hey can I look at your ass and I was like you can but I'm afraid of what you're gonna see when you look at that like go ahead but I don't know what that looks like go ahead
0: yeah it's a like it's one of those th- I don't think people realize how like taxing it is on the body to sit for ever
1: they're like yeah forever, all <laughs> time, forever? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. for all time um it's a lot I get um I get a lot of uh, a ton of pressure sores and i i'm not confined to a wheel i i'm not in a wheelchair all day long or anything like that i just sit so frequently that like i get pressure wow. sores along my back and my like butt area all the time
1: yeah i'm lucky i've never had one i've gotten really close but Ooh. i've never had one like but i'm i'm so lucky cuz i was in the hospital a couple of years ago for a bowel obstruction cuz bodies are great i was in the hospital for bowel obstruction oh yeah my one of my roommates had a deep pressure sore that like went to the bone Mm
0: -hmm. and they would
1: have to go every day and and clean it and i never spoke to this gentleman i only heard what the nurses said and i was like that is my getting one of those kind of sores is my biggest scariest fear it terrifies me to my core you're terrible like i'm very lucky that i've never had one but every time a guy is like can i look at your ass i have this like uncontrollable fear of like what are you gonna see when you look at that also i have ibs so like you can look at it but i really don't know what's gonna happen there yeah i can't take care of it for you so
0: yeah no i definitely get that i have like i um i lack like a lot of sensation in my body cool me too uh, which is also like very interesting when it comes to sex but um basically from like my toes to like my waist is almost like almost entirely no sensation um which must
1: be really interesting yeah when it comes to like intimacy because those are the whole areas like that whole area is where people associate intimacy with so like yeah totally not a question that I wrote down or even was ready to ask but here we are so um like so so you know do you have different erogenous zones then than if you're way up to from your toes to your waist you don't feel lots.
0: um I mean I I do and I don't it's more um like I would say like I I respond a lot better to like penetration than to like actual like touch to my body so like someone can be like so so excited about like This is where we're going to get just, like, way off topic. I'm ready. I'm so Um, ready. Go, go. Someone can be, like, so, so excited to just, like, go down on me, to, like, impress me with some kind of amazing skill that they have. And I just, like, don't fully know how to, like, entirely break it to them, that they could be, like, the Michael Jordan of, like, going down. And it's going to mean nothing to me, like, close to nothing. Um, Like, (laughs) It, it's just not it's not like just, something
1: you should just break it like that. you should literally break it like that you'd be like you'd be the michael jordan going down to me but i i don't know how to tell you this it ain't, it's not gonna do anything for me like
0: i'm just like yeah this is not or like people that will be like really excited especially like um if you're with like queer people who are really into toys i've had partners that are like really really into like a specific kind of like vibrator yeah and i'm like that sensation is not gonna do something for me i need like I need to kind of like get beat up a little bit. I don't know. Like, that's just like (laughs) the only way that I'm going to feel anything. (laughs) Um, And like, I, you know, I have certain sensation that's there, but like, like a lot of like sexual um, touch that seems like normal or like, that seems like it would be really stimulating is not stimulating for me. Um, Or it's hot only because of like, seeing you do it like the visual of a lot of sex is very sexy it's it like can really get you going even if you're not fully experiencing sensation but yeah. um i think like for me it's a lot more um i'm a lot kind of like top i like to i like to like give to a partner a lot more than i like to receive
1: yeah i get that vibe from you i get a very toppy i get a toppy vibe from you
0: yeah I like I'm I wouldn't say like by any means that I'm like a quote-unquote stone top but like I would be more than happy like topping and not receiving pretty much any day of the week it's fine um and so for me a lot of it is like in like fantasy and is in like giving and is in like talking dirty or um like I don't know making a mess or doing something kinky like things that kind of stimulate me like brain wise where I get really excited about what I'm doing is way more important to me than like you scratching my back you know what I mean like it it's just not it's not necessarily about sensation that really like kind of gets me off and gets me going
1: you and I have way more similarities Sexually, as people, than I thought we would. So, it's oh, yeah. Gay. yeah, yeah, good. Okay, good, good.
0: Yeah, it's it. It can be um tricky to talk to people about like sensation that you do or don't have. A lot of people like really want to like make you feel it,
1: yeah, and, <laughs> and you're like, just, it's like, not gonna
0: happen. Like, yeah,
1: like go ahead and try, but really, like, like no.
0: I'm like no like I don't have like like my nervous system will not allow this. My I don't body. Know how to explain this Yeah,
1: to like me. you're not going you're not going to be the one that cracks the code. Happen. You're not going to you're not going to do it. Like, it's not like I'm, gonna not,
0: do... I'm not sex shaming you here. I'm telling you it just like does not feel good. Yeah. It's not a and
1: I, I, you can stop. It's okay. Yes. Like like and for me, you know, I have lost a lot of sensation in my in my genitals because I use catheters and being mm-hmm. Catholic they don't tell you when you start being cath that, like, if you do that for a number of years, you will lose sensation in your body. And that is something that I'm still dealing with of, like, my, because my generals used to be super sensitive. And mm. now that I cath, I can't feel shit. So a guy could, like, be, give me a job or a blowjob for a good long time. And I'll still be like, yep, not there yet. Probably not going to get there. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. But, uh, Yeah. yeah. So,
0: I also use catheters and um, I also have just like no, uh, like no sensation whatsoever. Like, there's just no anything.
1: Isn't that fun? I mean, I have sensation. I can feel my, obviously, like for me, not obviously, but I can feel my genitals being touched. But like, because of the scar tissue of the catheter. Yeah. Like, and I wish the doctors would tell you that. Be like, yo, you're ability to be aroused or to be turned on will change because you're doing this no one fucking tells you that when you get a catheter
0: yeah yeah I I guess I can feel like I I can feel the sensation of being touched but I wouldn't be able to tell I can't tell the difference between like a like a different types of touch I can't tell it like hot cold sharp dull like I can just feel like pressure
1: yeah yeah and I like so when it comes to like ejaculating or be getting turned on for me. I can feel that, but because mm-hmm. I can't masturbate or self pleasure, thanks body. Um sometimes thanks, when I body. sometimes when I'm with somebody, they'll be like, "I've been doing this to you for like half an hour. Why aren't you aroused?" And I'm just like, meh I don't know. Like, I'm enjoying it, but I don't know if I'll, if I'll come." And the second they leave, my body will be like, "Okay, it's time now." And I'm always just like, "Oh, man." they were right there like couldn't you give it to me one time when it's not this way thanks
0: yeah that makes sense Ugh.
1: yeah it can be really 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 frustrating
0: yeah for for me masturbation is tricky because i can like i can physically like masturbate but i don't get a lot out of it yeah um because that like kind of like secondary piece of like being turned on by something is like really hard to access completely alone. Yeah. And um so I I don't do it like nearly as often as like I would even expect that I would. Um just cuz it's not it's not particularly like enjoyable the way that I yeah. want it to be. It kind of disappoints me a lot.
1: I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. For me it's like, oh, we just had this 2-hour session with the sex worker where you paid a bunch of money to have this moment and you had the moment and the minute they leave, my body's like, now it's time to come. Right? Well, then, thanks so much for being there for me when I really needed you. Like, thanks.
0: <laughs> thanks. Way to go, body.
1: Yeah. It's like a mind fuck. So yeah. I ran out a question. This is such a fun conversation. I could sit and talk to you for like another two hours. It was so fun. Um, my last question is other than writing the weird book about how, Everything in Nature is Queer, which we should totally get on. And I really actually, I seriously think we should pitch that to somebody. Yeah, a thousand
0: percent. I mean, like
1: that would be an amazingly, first of all, it'd be hilarious to write that together. Secondly, maybe it'll get us to do talks together, maybe. Who knows? Um, but what other stuff do you want to, or, or what other stuff are you working on? Or what other stuff do you want to write?
0: Um, right now I'm working on a memoir, I've been working on a memoir for a, a few years it's just about navigating uh, my like queer identity and being disabled like growing up disabled um, and speaking of animals and the in the all too gay animal kingdom um it's uh called sardines and it actually is like kind of weaves um the life of a like south african sardine with like my general narrative um
1: okay I, didn't expect that that's not what i was expecting at all but all right
0: yeah, okay. it, like it sounds kind of weird but it i promise it makes sense um but yeah so i've been working on a, a graphic novel that's kind of uh it's like a little bit scientific with memoir kind of interwoven
1: Okay, um, I'm here for it. I'm 100% here for it.
0: So yeah, I'm working on that. And then apart from that, just uh, various writing for the internet and doing that sort of thing. I'm freelancing uh, full time. So I'm doing like cartooning and, and essays for the most part.
1: Nice. Freelancer for life. I know how hard that is. It's a, yeah. it's a fucking I do have slog. a very...
0: I have a dream of, of starting a podcast of my own but it feels very daunting but I want well, to you
1: know not that I want to do my own horn but I do have a network that I oh, yeah. ho- that I host podcasts on so I'm just gonna throw it out there for you
0: well I've in- always joked that I was gonna start a, a podcast because the the a in my name I I go by Gus with with friends but a is is what I use as my professional name and Um, I, I've always wanted to start a podcast called Gus Ruins Everything, where I just talk about all of our favorite movies, and I just, like, ruin them by talking about how bad they actually are.
1: Um, okay, so I host a series on this podcast called Great Flicks and Joysticks, where I also, not, not as much ruin movies, but I talk about, like, disability movies and be like, what about, what the fuck were you (laughs) thinking when you made this movie? So you yeah. should come on and do an episode of that because it'd that be fun. Be
0: so much fun.
1: But yeah, also- I just
0: want to like, you know, talk about like a rom-com and just like uh, talk about how like, oh, we all love this movie, but it's technically like really creepy. Why does he follow her everywhere? <laughs> like, yeah. Why won't yeah. he keep her alone when she says no? <laughs> like You know, and just like, just absolutely like destroy, like, why did we think that it was a good idea to take a terrible terrible tragedy like the titanic and turn it into a romantic drama
1: whoa i never like even thought of that wow it is wild so like, yeah so i just
0: want to ruin everything that like we've ever loved and not known why
1: i 100 percent want to listen to this podcast and i will help you produce it if ever you want to make it like oh my goodness yes i want to do this with you so or have good. you or have you do this on the network when you're ready be in touch with me and we'll figure it out because oh my goodness yes please um, when do I
0: get to draw a superhero version of you? You gotta send me some pics.
1: Uh, I will send you those right now because I I'll do them right after we're done talking because I will do that Yes, I will. All right, Rex. Um, so just for your safety, because people on the internet are weird, I'm not gonna ask you how they get a hold of you. I'm gonna put your stuff in the show notes, and okay. then people can look it up there because people can be weird on the internet. And I, yeah, oh, don't I know
0: it?
1: People are weird, so I'm not gonna do that. So, but but. <laughs> hey andrews this was great i had so much fun you are like someone that i look up to and admire in our space so i'm so glad we did this
0: me too and i know that you uh you only like to do one task a day but if you ever want to hang out not professionally we can always do this i mean together. i
1: 100 percent yes please like
0: Anytime.
1: I, I will send you my i'll send you my digits after we're done recording okay. um all right so i'll talk to you very soon thank you so much for being here and as soon as you're ready for Gus Ruins everything. Hit me up because that sounds great.
0: Oh, I will definitely let you know. Thanks for chatting. It's been really fun.
1: Anytime. It was so great. Okay. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Alright friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm of course your delectable daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for being here and shining a light on these stories with me, thank you. If you want to follow my work, you can go to www.andrewgerza.com anytime, all my links are there. If you want to support the show in any way, you can leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts, Or you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and that will give you access to the show one day early, completely ad-free, for as little as $1 a month or $5 a month or more if that works for your budget. Also, there are yearly amounts available there, so if you wanted to do that, that would be great. If you're able to, I would appreciate it. If you want to be a guest on the show, please email me directly at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com or andrew at I would love to have you and shine a light on your story. Thank you so much for listening to these episodes and supporting disability content by listening to Disability After Dark. And we will see you for our next episode in two weeks. Thanks, friends. Talk to you soon. Bye! Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and and Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2023.